Hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. But we just wanted you to know that we're so glad that you've chosen to join us today. And once again, welcome. Um, today, what we're doing, however, is we're actually beginning a new series on the heels of Resurrection Sunday, and that message, that series is going to be called Reemerge. And even as we look to reemerge out of our past season of trial with Christ, with his anointing, with his blessing, what we want to do is look into the word of God so that we might actually learn the lessons of history. Learn the lessons of how God himself had met with the people of God, both the Israelites and the church, in seasons of trial that they had, what lessons they learned, and lessons that we can take from them to be able to walk with God in both his plans, his purposes, and his promises as we reemerge out of our season of trial. And so today, as we begin this series, we're going to start with this statement, that we will reemerge with Christ when we cling to his word for his promises. We will reemerge with Christ when we cling to God's word for his promises. And so to do that, we're going to open the book of Deuteronomy today. And Deuteronomy, if you're not familiar with it, is the fifth and the final book of the Pentateuch otherwise known as the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, which consist of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy was basically a recapitulation, a reiteration of the law of God that came in the first books of the Bible and the law that was given primarily in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then again in Deuteronomy. And this law was expanded upon and it was given practical application so that the Israelites in all times and seasons might know how to walk with God according to his purposes and promises for them. So let's look into this word today, but before we do anything else, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today, and we thank you that you've given us the promises, the promises for all life and godliness in you as we give ourselves to the knowledge of your word. God, we're asking you that you would help us to rise up and reemerge with great faith, even as we look into your word for those promises today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you have a Bible today, let's open to Deuteronomy chapter 30. We'll read it first, then I'll give a little bit of a context for what we're reading, and then we'll find application for our lives, even as we're looking to change seasons with God and reemerge out of our season of trial in Jesus' name. Okay, so Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting in verse 1. And when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among the, all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and return to the Lord your God, you and your children, and obey his voice in all that I command you today, with all your heart and with all your soul, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you. And he will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. If your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will take you. And the Lord your God will bring you into the land that your fathers possessed, that you may possess it. And he will make you more prosperous and more numerous than your fathers. 
And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart in the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. And the Lord your God will put all these curses on your foes and enemies who persecuted you. And you shall again obey the voice of the Lord your God and keep all his commandments that I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your womb, and in the fruit of your cattle, and in the fruit of your ground. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you, as he took delight in your fathers. When you obey the voice of the Lord your God, to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in this book of the law, when you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul. So here we have actually one of my favorite passages in all of the Torah, because what this is, is it's a contextually, it is a time that Moses is preparing the people of God to finally come out of their season of trial, to finally come out of their wanderings for 40 years in the desert when a whole generation had to die out and a whole nother generation had to rise up in faith in the promises that God originally made them when they were coming out of the land of Egypt. You see, God, when he rescued the Israelites out of their slavery in Egypt, he said, I'm taking you out of that place and I'm going to give you a land of your own. I'm going to give you a land where you're going to be blessed and I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. You're going to worship me, obey my statutes, obey my commands, and I'll bless you and all the works of your hands in the midst of that land as you cling to me. Despite the enemies that might surround you and at times try to attack you, I myself will be your strong defender. I will be your God and I will fight for you. These are the promises that God himself gave the Israelites prior to this time in Deuteronomy, when he had taken them out of Egypt into the um, land, um, preparing them to go into the land of Israel, modern-day Israel. But in between that time, what we see in the books of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, we see that there was a generation that died out because though God had made those great promises, there was a generation that neither believed the promises that God made to them, and then secondly, didn't obey the commands that God had given them, and then finally wanted to, at times, return to the familiarity and the slavery that God had just brought them out of because to come into that land took not only faith but effort. And we see that because of such a response to the promised life of God, God allowed that generation that originally came out of the slavery that they were in in Egypt, minus Joshua and Caleb. Joshua, who's, um, of whom the book of Joshua is named after, and his partner, Caleb. They were the only two of that previous generation who were able to go into the promised land. Even Moses himself, the prophet of the Lord, who was walking them through the wanderings in the wilderness, wasn't able to 
enter the promised land, but was able to look forward to it and by the word of the Lord predict how you were going to change seasons, reemerge and get into it as a new generation. And so we see that when he's talking in Deuteronomy 30, he's saying, I'm, I'm giving you these commands again. Deuteronomy 27 and 28, God was giving commandments that were to be obeyed. He said, listen, there are blessings, going to be blessings for you. And I'm sorry, in chapters 28 and 29, there are going to be blessings for you for obedience to my commands, and they're going to be curses for disobedience to my commands. And if many of you were able to join us for our Big Ten series, some of those commandments that were to be obeyed were found in the very Ten Commandments that we just covered, right? God was saying, I'm trying to bring you into this promised life of freedom, of blessing, right? Of abundance in me. But I'm telling you, you must do it according to my word. And God said, when you choose to obey me, there will be blessing in your life. When you choose to disobey me, there will be curses in your life. What curses mean are God resisting us in our efforts, what blessing means is God actually increasing us and actually adding his favor and his, his effort behind our efforts to our lives. And that's the place that we want to live in, right? Not the curses of God, but obedience and blessing. And what God is saying through Moses in Deuteronomy 30 is he says, listen, though I love you, I also know you, my people. I love you, but I also know you. And I, though I know I've set before you these blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience, I've already laid out my expectations in my law, commands that were to be obeyed. But I know that though I love you, you as a people have a tendency to stray. And when things are going well, you tend to forget me. Or when things are going are challenging, you tend to drift from me. And I know that what happens is, is that in either the forgetting of me or the drifting from me, there will be times where both blessings and curses come upon you. Blessings when you're in a good place, going into the, following after the obedience of the Lord, and curses when you've chosen to disobey me. And God's saying to the Israelites, when all these things have come upon you, and you find yourself scattered among the nations, because that was actually one of the curses, that whenever the Israelites disobeyed God and his commandments, what God did to discipline them after sending the wise men and the prophets again and again and again to appeal to them, to bring them back to the law of God. He said, I cannot ignore your disobedience to your own detriment. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, as a good father, discipline you. And part of the discipline for the Israelites is they were scattered in amongst the nations. This is where we see the original historic Jewish diaspora amongst the nations of the earth. And he says, when these blessings and curses come upon you, and then in the nations, you finally wake up and you say, you know what? It was better to obey God. 
It was better to do it his way, even when it cost me, even when it took a sacrifice. It was better to do things God's way than to be scattered amongst the nations as we are today. And God's saying, when you're scattered amongst these nations and you wake up and you realize the consequences of disobedience and you remember the benefits of obedience. He says, and you decide to return to me with all your heart and with all your soul. Verse three, then the Lord your God will do this. Even if you've been scattered amongst the nations, I will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you and will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. And I don't know about you, but that immediately gives me and my heart a sigh of relief. It gives me a breath. It gives me an ability to exhale, to know that our God is so omniscient that he knows that even though he says, I'm giving you commands that are to be obeyed for your good. When you obey me, it's going to go well with you. When you disobey me, it won't. He says, even though I make it clear for you what's going to happen when you do what's right and when you do what's wrong, I know that many times you'll do wrong and you'll have to suffer the consequences of doing wrong, whether it be in your relationships or your finances, whether it be in your marriage, whether it be in your career and your pursuit of things that actually give you identity and success. He says, all of these things, I know you'll stray from me, but when you do and you finally wake up and realize it's not good to go away from the Lord, it's not good to put other things before God, it is not good to ignore his commandments thinking that we have wisdom higher or better than God's, thinking that our way is best, thinking that we can pick and choose which of God's commands to obey. God says, when you wake up in these places scattered and you return, you can return to me and I want you to return to me with all your heart and with all your soul, which is your will, your emotions. He says, return to me with all your mind, your thoughts. And he says, when you do this, I will again restore your fortunes. Because part of the curses is that they can be lost. That the very things that you were pursuing, forgetting God, you can lose them. That the very things that you thought you would get without God can be taken. And he says, when you remember me and come back, I'll restore your fortunes and will bring you back to the land that I promised you. You see, why I love Deuteronomy 30 is because it is a chapter of promise. It is a chapter of promise that God himself says, even in the midst of your mistakes, I will give you grace. Because when we are faithless, the Bible says, he remains faithful. 
faithful because he cannot deny himself. And he says, I'm faithful to my word. And if you return to me in faith and obedience to my written commands, he said, I will once again restore your fortunes and I will bring you back from that diaspora to the land that I promised you to the land that I've actually given you. And for the Israelites, obviously, it was a physical land. For us as a Christian, as the people of God today, it's not necessarily a physical land, but it is a life of promise and freedom in Christ that he's given us in him. Freedom in our relationships, freedom from sin, freedom to live free of the identity projected on us by the world, freedom from the fear of man, freedom from bondage to the trappings and the rulings of money being our master, freedom from really uh, being uh, living in the fears that the rest of the world lives in around us. God says, I will once again return you to that place. And in that place, not only will I establish you and return your fortunes to you, but if your outcasts are at the uttermost parts of heaven, from there the Lord will gather you, and from there he will take you. Meaning that it doesn't matter how far off you've gone, he can bring you back. He says, I can bring you back, and the Lord your God will bring you into the land that your fathers possess. See, some of you in here are, like, are actually people who may have had Christian exposure growing up. And you may have grown up in the church, and you might have gotten tired of your mother or your father telling you about the ways of the Lord all the time. And so like the prodigal son, you went your own way. You thought you could do it better. You thought you could have more fun with wild living. You thought that you could get more out of life doing it your own way, rather than the prudish ways of your parents before you. But then you found out, just like the prodigal son, that actually the friends that you thought you had weren't actually your friends, that the parties you were actually go to, going to actually come to an end, that people aren't actually as interested in you when you don't have the money that you used to have or when you don't have the status that you used to have or you don't have the career that you used to have. People aren't as interested in you then and you wake up in need and you realize that there's a God who loves you who's calling you home. And in that place, God calls to you and says, listen, even if you're at the utmost place, even if you're at the furthest place in the heavens, separated in your heart or in your mind from God, from there, God can call you back and bring you back to the land of your fathers. And the Lord your God, verse 6, will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring. He says, I will circumcise your heart. I'll cut away that attachment that you had to worldly living. I will cut away the attachment that you had to impure things. I will cut away the attachment that you have to the things and the relationships even that were destroying you and killing you. And he says, if you will come back to me, I'll circumcise not only your heart, but the example that you set for your children, let them in, in them up in bondage themselves. They only say, I'm only doing what my mother or my father showed me I should be doing. These are the things that are important. This is how you make money. This is how you show yourself as important 
important or powerful or popular in this world. And they ended up in the same bondage that you found yourself. But when you woke up, they didn't necessarily wake up. And then God says, even as I set you free, I want to set them free too. And if you come back to me with all your heart, not only will I rescue you, but I will circumcise the heart of your children as well. And as I get a hold of you, I'll get a hold of your children for whom you long and you're fearful of the life that they're leading right now. But he says, come back to me with all your heart and I'll get a hold of them too. God says, I will circumcise your heart in the heart of your offspring so that their heart, that you and all of your children can love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. See, that's what God wants for you. He wants you to live and not die and proclaim the goodness, the works of the Lord. Why? Because you've experienced it yourself. And the Lord your God will put all the curses on your foes and enemies who persecuted you. And it's not just talking as in the Israelites' case about the physical nations that surrounded them in their day, but he's talking also about the demonic forces that would try to come and influence or take or oppress your life. God himself will resist them. God himself will deliver you from those things that you've given yourself over to. All types of addictions supplanting the love of God at a time in your life. He says if you've given yourself over to these things, whether they be substance abuse, alcohol, illicit relationships, pornography, or otherwise, he says, I will set you free from those things when you turn to me. I will once again come against the enemies that come for you. You see, the devil is an enemy to your soul, and God wants to set you free from that enemy. God wants to set your children free from those enemies. God wants to set your neighbors and your co-workers, your friends and your family members free from those enemies. He said, come back to me with all your heart, and this is my promise to you. I will do this for you. And you shall, verse 8, again, obey the voice of the Lord and keep all his commandments that I command you today. The Lord will make you abundantly prosperous. See, that's a promise of God. Prosperity is not a bad word. It's a God word. When you do things God's way. And God says, when you come to me, I will prosper you first in your soul and then the works of your hands, meaning that in your work life, God wants to be with you. In your relationships, God wants to be with you. In your ministry, being a witness for the resurrected Jesus, God wants to be with you and prosper the works of your hand, meaning that people come to Christ, are made disciples, and are free to follow him with all the glory that's found in the Holy Spirit of God. And he says, I will prosper you in the work of your hand, in the fruit of your womb, and in the fruit of your cattle, and in the fruit of your ground. See, God wants to bless. He wants to be a part of everything that you do with the lion's share of your time in each and every one of your days. He says, I want to bless it. I want to prosper it. It is okay to believe that because God himself has said it of his people. He wants to prosper the work of our hands when we give ourselves 
to his commands. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you, as he took delight in your fathers. When you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in the book of the law, when you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And so we see this is practically a prescription. It is a prescription of changing seasons. Seasons. When the Israelites were coming out of their time of trial and re-emerging, re-emerging into the life of promise that God originally intended for them, God gives them a prescription. And what is that prescription? Like the great physician writing for his patients, take these, take two of these and call me in the morning. Right? What is the prescription that God reiterates over and over again in this passage? Saying, I want to bless you, make you more prosperous and numerous than even your fathers as you transition out of time of trial into a time of promise, believing me for my life and blessings upon your life. He says, here's the prescription. Love me. Turn to me. And commit to obeying this word with all your heart and with all your soul. With all your heart means with all of your affection. You need to do a survey of where your affections actually lie. Have you given your affections to the living God, to Jesus Christ, his son, who lived for you, died for you, and was raised again, not only to pay the penalty for your sin and take the wrath of God on himself for you that you might actually have life, but he actually rose again to give you not only eternal life, but abundant life. Now, have you given your affections to him? Who has a greater affection, pull on your affections, the affections of your hearts, than Christ? Because he's saying, if you'll return to me and I will once again be your first love, I can actually be the one who brings you into this life of promise that I actually intended for you. With all your soul, with all your mind, the soul is your mind, your will and your emotions. How have you given yourself? What has the greatest command of your thoughts on a daily basis? Is it the word of God? And are you allowing God's word to continually reshape you to think his thoughts? To not be so influenced by the world around you that you are subject to their whims and their changing tides? Or are you allowing God by his eternal unchanging word to make you like his son, the rock? Are you coming back to Christ to allow him to set you free from that un by that unchanging word? Are you going to love him with all your mind? Think his thoughts. Have a biblical worldview as you approach this world around you, knowing that a biblical worldview actually leads to the life of blessing and promise that you're looking for. With all your emotions. Are you keeping your emotions in check, not being driven by them, but actually subjecting your emotions to the written word? Are you committed to obeying not some, but all of his commands?
with all his heart, with all soul, even as we went through the Big Ten series, are you committed to obeying not some, but all of his commands as he's given them to you? Well, God's promise, according to Deuteronomy 30, is that if you do, he says it doesn't matter how far you've gone or how scattered you felt. Even as we felt like we've come out of a great time of trial and we ourselves have been literally, many of us, scattered to states and other nations that we've not known, having to rebuild and restart lives. How do we come back to God and fully give ourselves, our hearts and our souls to Him, choosing to obey His commands wholeheartedly? He says, if you'll do that just like He did for the Israelites, He will bring you back. He will bring you back to the place of promise in Him. He will regather you, not necessarily physically, but regather you as a Christian from the nations and bring you to the place of wholehearted, committed devotion to Him. And in that place, He'll once again bless the work of your hands. That's good news for those who've um, been challenged in their careers over this pandemic, who've been challenged in their work life, for those who've been challenged relationally. That's good news for those who've been challenged even in their ministry life, tempted to do other things. God says, I will bring you black and I will bless the work of your hands as you look to Christ and his promises once again. And so that's where we're going to start today, that even as we talk about re-emerging out of our season of trial and coming once again into the life of promise that God has for us. Remember these promises that God has made to us. That it doesn't matter how far off we felt. It doesn't matter how far we've gone. God says, if you will, in that place, wake up and return to me with all your heart and with all your soul, choosing to obey my commands. He says, then you will live. And that's the God that we serve the goodness, the grace that he gives us forevermore in Jesus' name. Amen. And so today, let me start by talking to anybody who says, you know what? I found myself in a far and distant land, in a place where I never thought I'd be, and I've given myself over to all types of sin and death, and truth be told, I've never really bowed my knee to Jesus to serve him as Lord and obey his commands. And I know the life that I'm living now and the troubles that I've seen, it is a product of decisions that I've made or that have been thrust upon me, but I don't want it anymore. I don't want the death and hell that I know I'm destined for. And if that's you in that place today, would you pray this prayer with me as God himself calls you home and calls you to the life of promise and blessing that he has for you in Jesus Christ? Say this with me, Almighty God, I admit to you today that though you've put before me promises of a life of blessing and obedience to you and curses for a life of disobedience in you, God, I've chosen the latter. And I know that because of my disobedience before you, I not only deserve the consequences, many of the consequences that I've seen, but I also deserve death and hell before you. But I'm sorry and I don't want it today. And I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to live the perfect life that I should have lived and die the sacrificial death that I should have died. And three days later, rise from the dead because he was innocent so that I could have forgiveness of sins and new life in him. 
God, according to your word, would you forgive me today? And would you make me a new creation? Help me to love you with all my heart and with all my soul as you've commanded me today and come back to the life of promise that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the good news is, is that if you prayed that prayer, God said he's actually heard you and made you a new creation. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash newlife. There you can find not only resources, but next steps of how to walk out this new life in Christ, returning to Christ. And for the rest of us, I'm going to pray a prayer that as we begin this series together, that we learn the practical steps of how we can, as a people, reemerge into the life of promise and blessing in God, in Jesus' name. So, Father, we thank you for all my brothers and sisters. And, God, I pray that there would be great faith in the promise of even Deuteronomy 30 today, that regardless of where we might have gone or how far we might have gone up to this point, and regardless of the consequences, either intended or unintended, that we've experienced, that, God, you're calling us home today. And, God, would you help us to not only be healed and restored, but strengthened in faith to live out in the promises of restoration of the spiritual fortunes and blessings that you have for us in Christ Jesus our Lord. We thank you and we love you. Amen. We're going to continue to talk about these things in our community groups throughout the week. So if you've not yet found one, please do visit our website where you can find both virtual and in-person options. Let us know how we can be standing with you in prayer. And in addition to that, please also think about how you might share this link with others who might need to encounter the grace of God. Invite someone with you to our service next week who also needs to hear the good news about Jesus Christ. And until then, have a wonderful week in the Lord. God bless you and we'll see you soon.